Lindsay. Lindsay. Just down blocking on the left side. Watch the movement the left side gets. And Lindsey Springs totally free. And then it's all about heart. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. A short break on the podcast late spring, but uh, I'm really excited about today's podcast. We're going to be catching up with CU legend Philip Lindsey. And I, Philip, I don't know if you need an intro, but Colorado has a lot of new fans because of Coach Prime. For sure. Uh, so we got to tell your story for maybe some of the folks that are going to be CU fans going forward but don't know all the details. And then the folks that know everything about you are going to really enjoy catching up with you. I haven't really seen you, aside from just in passing at CU a few times yeah. since you graduated. So it's just great to, to see your, your face and hear your voice. And, and I know that... Uh, uh, you are Colorado through and through, and uh, every time I see you, it just reminds me of of, of Denver, Colorado, and, and kind of the the path that you, that you laid forth there at CU. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your podcast today. It's an honor. Uh, you were, you've been covering me since the start, since I uh, actually it, signed. Yeah. Actually, I signed like at South. So yeah. I remember the first time we've talked. So uh, it's been a while, but uh, um, definitely, I mean. Denver is home. You know, I was born, I was born and raised, and uh, I, t- I take a lot of pride in what, you know, I do here and what I have done uh, for the University of Colorado and just in Colorado in general. You know, uh, I don't think that we get a, as much respect and notoriety, notoriety as we should. Um, and I think definitely with Coach Prime being here, it's going to hyphen everything. And this is the right time to be able to make those moves so that people understand nationwide that Colorado um, is a great place to be. There's a lot of great athletes and the fan base from uh, the Denver Broncos to the Nuggets to the Avalanche. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. You're not going to get a better fan base than here in Colorado. I still haven't gotten used to all the national attention that CU's getting right For now. sure. It's a lot. How have you kind of reacted when you turn on the TV and they're talking about your alma mater? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to see um, them on a national scale, you know, and, and see how much of an impact Coach Prime has already had to the university. Um, and also just getting everybody excited for a season. I know that, you know, it's been a lot of years since, you know, the buffs and the fans have had some crazy excitement, you know, uh, talking to Hagen, you know, probably since Hagen that it hasn't been something that's just been this crazy and I think that's just because we've been on the law for so long for just there's a lot of different reasons for that you know and uh, to be able to bring that back and hopefully you know the thing is uh, you just got to still stay patient with this whole process you know it's going to be a process for the, for for the University of Colorado coach prime and everything else but I'm telling you right now if everything goes how I think it should be um, the fans are going to be excited for a very long time that wasn't quite to Darian's level, but 2016 yeah. did show us what Folsom Field can be when the Colorado Buffaloes are playing for something. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's those exciting. last two home games that year. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, even the thing is this, right? Uh, the University of Colorado is a very special place, and I always tell people this, right? I tell people um, when, when you're trying to 
recruit young men to come here sometimes it's hard because a lot of times they don't really know too much about Colorado you know they hear about it and the first thing they talk about is it's cold right and we all know in the summertime it's beautiful the thing is if you can get those kids to come in to the University of Colorado take a visit hang out and stuff they'll never want to leave right yeah and so that's one thing that I, I, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. Like, University of Colorado is a beautiful place. Then you get that fossil magic that it truly exists, right? You get into this, this field, and the fans are going crazy. It's bowl-shaped. You got the mountains sitting there, and it, like it's unreal. You start to, to win games, and everybody's into it. Like, there's no better place to be. And I'm glad and grateful I got the opportunity to, to experience uh, a lot of moments like that, you know? And but I'm also glad and, and, and grateful for the experiences of the lows too, because that's what made things even sweeter. We're going to get in all, into all that. And speaking of great things in Colorado, we are coming to you from GQ Barbecue in Lakewood, one of GQ's five locations. You can find Colorado's best barbecue at Folsom Field and Empower Field on game days, or at their locations in Westminster or Parker. Philip, you said you've been. To GQ before yeah, you love the good. wings. I mean, I've tried everything on the menu and it's all pretty good. No, it's all good. I mean, this is is, is the number one barbecue spot in Colorado at this time. I think that uh, you know it brings a lot of different flavors, variety, and um, it's just a great place to be, a great place to eat. And we go, we come here at least two, three times a month. So I'm not gonna complain about. It. Like I mentioned, the folks, most of the folks that are listening to this don't need much of a recap <laughs> on Philip Lindsay. But for those that are new CU fans, he is the Buffalo's all-time leader in all-purpose pr- yards. Right behind EB yeah. in the rushing yards. Yeah. It, it was pretty close there for it a was, second. It was. I, I was hoping that to be able to be the one to beat him, you know, especially him being, being you know, he's the one that got me to come to the University of Colorado. He, he recruited me. So, like, being able, being able to break that record would have been sweet. But... At the end of the day, um, it wasn't meant to be, and you know he's a great he's he's been he's a great running back and a great person to the university. So um, I'm glad it's still standing. You were the first undrafted player in NFL history to rush for more than a thousand yards. First two years in the league, spent time with the Broncos, Texans, Dolphins, Colts. Most recently, spent time with the Seattle Sea Dragons in the yeah. XFL in April. Yep. You actually had to miss. The CU sold out spring game. <laughs> I've seen it on TV. I've seen it on TV. It's and crazy. A lot of your former teammates were there. Yeah, I- I'm sure that was tough not to be able to. to yeah, be it was because we had plans to come up there, and um, you know, we were my wife and I and, and my son were going to come up there. That was going to be his first time being there, like um, at the university, like in a football aspect. So it, it was it was getting ready to be a fun time. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to make it, but. We're gonna get up there here, you know, uh, one of these days when the football's going on and just be able to enjoy a game, you know, so. Um, but hopefully not for a little while. Hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing at that time and stuff like that, yeah. but definitely uh, it's, a, it's a great place and I wish I would've been able to be there and see some of my old teammates and just see that, you know, feel that, that electricity in the air again. Have you had a chance to talk to any of those guys in terms of what their yeah. experience was I, being around that that environment? I have, you know, I mean, my best friend is Chido Bayouzie. You know, we go back, you know, when we first started, you know, I, I feel like me and him were pioneers of holding each other accountable and holding a lot of our teammates accountable. Uh, Josh Tubo is another one that, that you know, I've talked to. Um, 
and you know it, it's they they had a great time you know like they you know there was so many different people there different alumni from different areas were there and you can't beat that you know you get to have great connections and talk to people and um that's part of, I, you know I, I i wish i would have been a part of what are your goals in football going forward yeah i mean for me it's just being able to finish out my career uh kind of how i want to you know uh, of course, everybody wants to have thousand-yard years and be the, the the best running back. But for me, it's just if I can put together a couple great solid years, do my part contributing, uh, win some games, try to go to the playoffs, and um, just play out some of my, my my games so my son can watch me play a little bit more. I can't ask for anything else. You know, I I've had a great high school career, had a great college experience and career. I've had you know the thing about the NFL is. Uh, no matter how good you do at some point you know it's going to come to an end and um, you can just you got to you got to run with what 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 it, what it is you know at the end of the day it is what it is and you take it for what it is and get what you can out of it and uh, just you know have fun i think that that's the biggest thing is like to enjoy the rest of my career how i want it to be and hopefully i get at least a couple more years in me to to run around and play this game it's awesome you mentioned your son because one of the first things that really yeah. endeared you to the CU fan base when you got to Boulder was when you talked about why you play the game of football yeah. as hard as you do. And exactly. The, the, your parents being an inspiration, especially yeah. your mother and your siblings as well. Uh, so that it, I guess everybody wants to know how is everybody in your family doing these yeah, things? Yeah, everybody is doing good. Everybody is on their own page, beating to their own drum and... and just living life you know everybody's just kind of doing their part of to society to fit in i guess at this point and just do what's best for their little family and for me that's you know i i I, you know came from college and then got married and we have have a beautiful baby boy and hopefully have another one and um it's just about giving back giving back the time that you know the, the great experiences you had as kids and growing up to my son now and 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 later on the son and daughter we 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 decide to have you know and so um but everybody is doing great man everybody can't complain you know the thing is you have ups and downs but you know when i look back at it everybody is doing their part your father was obviously a great role model for you you broke his denver prep league record for rushing yards did he put a football in your hands at a very young age? And is that something you've started to do with your son yet? Yeah, so what's funny is um, my father and my mom never forced us to play any sports. Now, my father played ball at Colorado State. My uncle played ball at the Utah Utes. Um, but I, I feel like what really got me going, and even to this day, is seeing my older cousins play at the Oklahoma State, is, is seeing Tony Lindsay. And he was the, the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State. And just watching him on TV and seeing, like, the, the, the good things he was doing. And I think he was a sweet quarterback, to be honest. I think he was uh, too early in his in his in in the era where the quarterbacks, the running quarterbacks weren't, you know, it went from Coach Hagan to being running quarterbacks to then back to drop back quarterbacks. And I think that that's the era he was kind of in. But TT could, could, really, could really fly, man. And honestly, I sit back and watch some of his highlights now, and it's just you forget how graceful and, and good he really was. So um, he really was a, a big mentor for me growing up watching him play. Like I was excited to watch college football. 
and I was excited to play all the time. And then that, that kind of just transitioned to me playing flag football with my friends and then my father deciding to coach me and then, you know, kind of gelling me into being a running back and teaching me, you know, the, the way to be a running back and just to play football. And, um, you know, being around a bunch of, of hard-headed kids that wanted to play football and stuff, I think that helps build character and build you as well. And as we grew up, we just got better and better and wanted to do better. And I look back at it, and, and, and when I got to high school, I wanted to, to be the best high school football running back there was, right? I didn't look at, you know, the thing I could say is when I focused, it wasn't like, well, I wanted to go to, to, to the NFL, right? It was, I wanted to be the, I look, I, when I was younger, I would look at all the high school football players and the great ones, right? and the ones that are doing really good, and be like, I want to be better than him. Then when I got to high school and did well, I started looking at the college, and I was like, okay, you know, I want to be, the, the you know, in college, I want to be known, you know, I want to, why not me, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, for the NFL, you know, that's a tricky one because I, I focused so much in college because I didn't know if I was going to be able to play in the NFL, right? Just because of, uh, all the odds of going in the first place and my size and all this this bull crap and stuff so I, what I did was I just held in and really focused on being the best person I could be in college football and doing what I can be on on the field and off the field and you know when I broke my father's record back you know going back like with, with uh, Denver I put a lot of work into doing that you know but like I couldn't have done that without the, you know my friends and my teammates at that time you know everybody played a part into getting me to where I you know I have you know been right now you know and so I'm grateful for those opportunities and those friendships and everybody doing their part for me to do my part as well. I worked for Rivals and now 24-7 Sports. We do a lot of recruiting coverage. Yeah. I remember going down to Denver South uh -huh. and I had heard about you because you had put up big numbers. Yeah. And you guys were doing the Oklahoma drill and you were, I mean, that's usually a drill for the linemen, but yeah. you, you wanted to get into the action in yeah, terms of the sure. physicality. But then the second, uh, I think your uncle called uh -huh. you over to talk to me, you took your, your helmet off and you had a big smile on your face. Yeah. Has it always been that easy for you to kind of separate the aggression that's needed on the football field and then how yeah. you need to live the rest of your life? No, for sure. I think like, like you got to be able to turn it on and off, right? Like on the field, I, I was mean. I was. I could be like, I don't want to cuss on it, but I, was, I could be bad. I could be an a-hole, you know, like that's just who I was. But off the field, like I just like was able to separate different things and have fun i always was able to have fun i think that was just how our family dynamic was we were always clowning around always talking a bunch of stuff um but just enjoying each other and just enjoying the ride of stuff but then with football it was an all serious business and like i could turn it on and like something in me just like i would just black out especially if something you know someone says something something now it's on and cracking you know but i just think that that's just the way I was brought up and my, my brothers were the same way and we were just hard-headed we were fighting all the time but we also like our father also taught us how to be respectful how to how to go at things differently as well and I think that if you can be able to balance both of those turn it on and and when you're off the field to kind of like relax and turn it off you're going to be in a better situation just in life there's a lot of impressive things that you've done in your football career yeah you averaged over 10 yards a touch with uh -huh. a torn ACL until yeah. it got properly diagnosed. Yeah. 
you thought it was a, a sprained knee at that point? Yeah, well, what was weird was going to, it was in my senior year, and, I, and, and there was a lot of hype for our team. Our team was really good, right? Our team kind of built up throughout the, the, the years. We stayed together, and we were all seniors. So, like, we were already were supposed to be, like, top in the state. And um, going into that game, everything was cool and stuff like that. And I make a cut, and I hear, like, a couple pops. You know what I mean? And it was kind of hurting, but I've never been hurt and injured like that, you know, before. I've never had I had maybe a couple sprained ankles, but nothing torn, nothing broken, anything like that. Um, so that was the first time me feeling like that. And then we didn't have the money to go and get MRIs. You know, like, you go to college, it's just right there, you know, in the belt. They pay for all that, right? In, in, in high school and stuff, like, you got to have insurance, like, the right insurance to get it, or you're sitting there waiting. Plus, like, it's not like you can just get an MRI and just – like you gotta wait for MRI. So when that happened, and I thought it was a sprain, I, I, I sat out one game. I played the next because it felt a little better. You know, the swelling was down, and all that. Um, I knew it wasn't well because I just I knew it wasn't like I wasn't myself. But I just thought like, okay, it's a sprained knee or something like that. I've never had an injury before like that. So I played on it. Had I, I think I'm, like I busted like a 75 yard touchdown and all that. Then I did a, the same kind of cut I did the last time, and it gave out on me. And I knew right then and there, like this was. Then I was able to get with a, a surgeon doctor that actually played with my father back in TJ, Thomas Jefferson. His name is Andy Moats. He diagnosed me, got me an MRI, and yeah, I blew my knee out. That's the first time I ever had, you know, I've heard about the knees and blowing. And back in the day, you knew if you had a blown knee, you were probably you were never going to play again kind of stuff. So... Um, that was a, a big, for me, that was a big uh, awakening that, like, I think it humbled me in the sense of, like, you're human and anything can happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, be grateful for the opportunities to play this game because that stuff can be taken away from you faster than all the hard work you done did, right? You can do all the hard work for five, six months, and all it takes is one cut, and you're done for the whole entire year, you know? So... Um, that opened my mind to just like, like seeing the game differently than what I was seeing it. Where it's just like, as a as a high school kid, you're selfish. You think you're the man. You think that like your stuff doesn't stink. You know everybody's all on you because you're you know what I mean physically and and athletically you're better than the majority of them. But then when that happens and you're just by yourself and you know we were still winning, we ended up going to state. You know, my brother ended up stepping up. Uh, we had a couple Pete Williams and uh, Travante Tasco. We had really great players behind me. And, like, sitting there and watching all them and all my teammates that I grew up with continue to win, it hurt because it's like I didn't get to help. You know, I felt like I didn't get to help us go to the state championship. But in reality, I helped mold and build the team to be able to get to that point where they were dominant it just you know for me it was like dang and then i didn't know if i was going to get be able to play football again i didn't know people were pulling their scholarships now you know Embry got fired you know if Embry got fired the day he came to my house you know that was crazy like he came sat down talked with my family they talked about how they were going to give him a couple you know at least his contract you know he's driving down the street we turned the tv on and they fired the man so i don't even think they told him so, like, that was, like, another one. I was like, dang, I just blew my knee out. 
And I don't even know if I'm gonna have a scholarship. You know what I mean? So now I'm sitting here like, what? I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, other than, you know, we didn't have money to go to college and, and pay for our college, you know? So the biggest thing was using our, our gifts that we had to get an education. Like that was the goal. How long did it take until you got on the phone with Mike McIntyre yeah. and knew that you were going to have a spot? Was that like a Man, month, month like, long yes, process? Yes, it was a month long process. I was having issues with my knee because I didn't have the right uh, PT. I didn't have the money to go get a, the right PT and stuff. Like now, the way that they do stuff with knees now, like it's incredible. Like they get they, like they can have a person back in five six months looking great. Like even back when I was playing, it was still like a little bit more of a process, right? And I didn't get the right process. So when I came up for my physical, when Mike Mack, who to this day I talk to all the time, he decided to honor my scholarship, right? And I, at that time, I'm a buck 60, buck 65 maybe, 5'8", you know what I mean? And he comes into the door and he's looking like this kid's knees all messed up. He's only 160 pounds. Like, and he decided to honor my scholarship because he heard so much hype and good stuff around that uh, when... When uh, I got up there, my knee, it was five months out, and by five months, you're usually bending and straightening your knee, you're running. And I couldn't bend or straighten my knee. So they they were all concerned, like, yo, this kid may not even be able to play. Like, again, because the scar tissue so scarred down. And I got with a man up there named Ted Lane. And I don't know if he's still, sometimes he may go up there, he's retired. And he worked on me every single day. And because of that man, today I'm able to do the stuff I'm able to do. Right, so I'm always gonna be grateful. That's why I'm saying like, it takes a village and everybody around me to get me to this opportunity that I've been able to get. It's because of people like my teammates getting me the notoriety. You know, someone like Ted Lane working on me that didn't have to do that, that, that was able to get me back on the football field. Like things like that, that set, were set in place, you know, are the reasons why I able, was able to do it and I'm still today able to do some of the things I'm doing. And you came on campus and redshirted, but were the offensive scout team player of the year. I so did. Were you starting to kind of get the mojo yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I had, you know, started getting my knee back and knee healthy and stuff. And for people who never known, like to be honest with you, once you have a knee injury, it takes a full year for you to fully feel like maybe even a little bit more of a year to feel like yourself again. So like for for all these people, like say I feel great, like. They really, like, they, they may feel great, but I'm telling you right now, like, you're not going to feel 100% yourself and feel like you can do these crazy cuts or crazy things until a year and a half year. Like, so I needed that retro year, man. It, it, it gave me a chance to just be a, a student, to learn the game, um, to, to, to make friendships outside of football and have some fun in college. And also, like I said, to heal, to heal my knee and, and, and get me stronger and bigger faster. So while kids these days want to just play right away, the best thing that happened to me was redshirt. I got to get everything out of my system, right? And I got a, I still had four years of college, and I got to get on top of my schooling early. I got two degrees. Like, it's the best situation you can be in if you're patient enough. You know, every kid thinks they're going to go to the NFL, and they should, they're just going to be the greatest. The thing is, like, you can have a great freshman year, and the years that count are your junior and senior year. And if you don't have good junior, senior years, you're not going to get drafted high or wherever, wherever it is. So the thing is, like, you might as well take your time on it and grow. That's what it's for. You mentioned Mike McIntyre. Yeah. It's too bad that things didn't build off 60 because yeah, I, I always really respected him. 
he gave you the Tasmanian Devil nickname. Yeah, for sure. I can't remember when that happened. You know, I think that was honestly brewing since my rookie, my my, my freshman year. You know, like doing scout team. I got in a fight every day. <laughs> every day I was in a fight. Like, like that's just who I was. You know, and and I just think like what's funny is my class we stuck together all the ones that that's redshirted with me and and a couple that were still playing we all stuck together and we took some butt whoopings and we went through a lot of stuff but man to reap the reward of that year and a lot of a lot of them are in the nfl or got a chance like you can't ask for like that's what football is all about you know it's not just going to a team uh waiting until you're a senior year and then playing like yeah that's cool and you know but it's like it's just the journey right it's the friendships you make it's all the hardship you go through but then the success at the end like there's nothing sweeter than feeling that like like okay just buy your time like keep grinding keep working keep working and then all of a sudden that year you guys are you guys are the ones on top everybody everybody was laughing at you guys at the beginning now you guys is handing out ass words right that, yeah. that like that's that's what it's all about right and 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 that's what we worked our, our butts off for most transition classes don't end up being all that great, yeah. but it's like Embry and McIntyre kind of caught lightning in a bottle with, with yeah. that group. After you redshirted, you ch you shattered Lamont Warren's freshman all-purpose mark at CU in 2014, uh -huh. really shining in that kickoff return role, yeah. going for over 500 yards of offense, then led the team in rushing in 2015. At that point, you and Sefo Lufau and Cheeto Bayouzier and Tedra yeah. Thompson, just to name a few, have suffered a lot of tough losses. Oh, a lot of sure. really heart wrenching. A lot, a lot losses. of big losses. Yeah. I'm even. I'm thinking of the Brett Hunley one where Cheeto just. I mean, you guys I had know. to come back. To UCLA. Pick him up yes. Yeah, I know. That, that was, was that was tough. That could have broken a lot of teams, and you guys just didn't give up. What, what do you remember about the summer of 2016? Man, it was it was everything building up to that year. You know, it was like like the thing is, we all had one goal, and that was to go to the NFL, right? But we knew we were gonna have to hold each other accountable. Like, but we knew each other so well that we were able to hold each other accountable without feeling some type of way about something. Like, we all knew what we wanted, and we were able to keep each other on that, that, that path that we wanted, right? And it was the hard work. Everybody knew, like, we knew what we needed to do, right? We knew that we had the, the talent, and, and we had, like, each other. Now, we needed to be able to put it together, and I think that, like, the biggest thing is having that cohesive group of, of leaders, that, that, that went through the, the fire, right? And now it's like, we know. We know how it is to be in close games. We know how it is to be blown out. We know how it is to be humiliated. And now it's like, but we're ready to take that step and be on the other side, right? We done took our butt whooping. We're tired of that, right? And it's about getting everybody on the same page. All your young kids, all the people that, that, that the Jew calls and everybody that, that are here to try to buy them into understanding how important it is for us to all be on the same page. And it starts with the summer workouts. It started with Coach Drew Lewis, right? Uh, our, 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 our head weight, our weight staff, right? Weight coach. Like, I feel like today, to this day, like he's one of the better, best weight, weight coaches I've been around. We went, like that summer was one of the hardest summers I've ever been a part of. And it was like, you had to be on the field ready in line by six on the dot, right? Sun ain't came up yet. It's barely, it's a beautiful sight, right? And we just go to work, you know, and we held each other accountable. The thing was, if you weren't in the, if you weren't on that field by six and you were walking in, you were, you weren't, you were kicked out of practice, right? Nobody wanted to be on that side. 
So I think that over time, we just like pushed each other, man. And we, we got in arguments, we got in fights, but we all stayed together and we pushed each other like no other. Like, thing was, Cheeto was my best friend and one probably one of the most athletic players I've ever been around playing. Um, but to me, it was like, yo, you're not better than me, right? You're not faster than me. But he thought the same way. Tedrick thought the same way. So we were competing, right? We were like, there was never a time where I thought, I'm going to let him win or I'm okay with him beating me, right? But then it started trickle. It's a trickle effect, right? Then everybody starts to compete. Everybody starts to do it because nobody wants to be that person that's not, that's, that's the, the weakest link in the chain, right? You want to be the one everybody's talking about. You want to be the one that's like, okay. But for me, it was like, can you do that every day, right? The consistency part. Like me and Tito, we know, hey, tomorrow's going to be a hard one, but we didn't care. We didn't go home and worry about it. We went in there and drunk some water, got ready for the next day. And, and, and the thing was trying to get everybody to understand that, look, man, like this, this stuff right here, you got to be bought in, right? It's not like one day you do great and then two days you're out partying. It's like, yo, there's going to be time to have fun. But Monday through Thursday and Friday, Monday through Friday, it's time to work. You know, it's Saturday or whatever, Friday night, Saturday as a college student, go have fun, right? But, like, man, then Monday through Friday is, is very important. That's where we're going to make our money. And, you know, it was a great sight to see the leadership in, in us hold each other accountable and us um, working through things that nobody could touch us on the field. It literally, like, like literally, you can do what you want. We were just in a great situation. You know, you had coach, coach put the great coaching staff together. I mean, you know, we sit here today, and one of the biggest reasons why we were able to have this great season was defense and Coach Lovett. Like, it's as simple as that. You know, like, like having two head coaches, Coach Lovett was a great coach. Like, there's no doubt about it. And you had Coach Mack that was willing to, to do what he, he had to do to, to keep us all in, to invested in together, you know. And he's taught us so many life lessons to this day. Um, that you sit back and as a young young player, you're like you just kind of go through the motions. Then you get here and, and you're you're on your own now, and you're like, dang, Coach Mack was right, you know. Today's episode of Buff Stampede Radio is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you're running a successful small to medium sized business. You have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have a solution for you. Hire a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. They love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy, understand the profitability of each client, help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more. It's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit MacaulayCapital.com or email CFO at MacaulayCapital.com. That's M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y Capital. 
Com. So 2016, the moment that those of us in the media and the fan base always point to is Akella Witherspoon's interception yeah. at Oregon, especially coming off Michigan. Yeah. Again, you're a group that had suffered all these tough losses, and it was, okay, is this going to happen again to these guys? Yeah, yeah. You're saying you guys knew there was something special before that, but, sure. but what did that pick do for the team? Yeah, I mean, like, before we even get to the pick, you got to you gotta see how Cepho got hurt in Michigan. Okay, Montez has never really played in a game that meaningful enough to, like, be able to, you know, he played the rest of that Michigan game and didn't do well. So you're coming coming back. Okay, you're, you're leader of the team, like quarterback, Cepho tough. Ain't no man tougher than Cepho. Not there. You got this young kid, but we've been building this whole time, and now we're relying on this young kid, Montez, who had, you know, who you is a wild card at that time, to be honest with you. You don't know what you're going to get from Montez. You know, some days Montez was good. Sometimes Montez was was bullcrapping because he's just young. We get into a big game in Austin Stadium, and Montez goes crazy, right? He looking like a Heisman candidate. You know, it's like, where's this kid been? You know, and, and for him to put us in that situation to where now you can rely on the defense, which you have majority of your 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 older dudes and and talent, talented uh, NFL caliber players, and for Akello to do that at that time, like it was like finally that 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 monkey gets off your back. Like finally something good goes your way, right? This whole time you're just like, why you know why us? Like why can't we get that break? Like in every every team you got to get a break, right? Somebody got to get a lucky break or whatever it is, and we finally got that at a big pivotal time, right? Uh, away at Austin State versus University of Oregon. And and to be able to do that, that that right there was a pivotal like standpoint of like we're here, right? And then to be able to have Montez do what he did, now it gave us more confidence that Cepho could rest and be ready when it, you know, ready. But also we got a, a young kid who's talented enough that we can win these games, right? We can beat we can beat USC. We can beat, you know, we can we, we can hang, we can do some stuff. So I think that that was before you even got to Akello, it was Montez young butt deciding to, to turn it on and then Akello solidifying it. And it was just like that feeling of like that was a great feeling. Right? It was a feeling like, you know, winning a, a a game that meant something. You know, other than just the game that you're supposed to win or the game, you know, or getting lucky. Like, it's not winning this stuff because like this is what we've been working so hard for. Again, there's a lot of new Colorado fans. Yeah. That would be one game, the Oregon game, that yeah. I would highly recommend. Even your understudy Kyle Evans had some plays no, in that Kyle, game. No, Kyle, and that's another one. I'm, th- I'm glad you, you put that up. Like, it takes a whole entire team. And someone like Kyle came, came out, and he made some big plays, right? Big plays. It couldn't just be me, right? It can't just be one person, right? You need a whole group of people doing the right things. And Kyle decided to come play, right? Then you have Montez, you had Kyle. Now that's the depth that you need, right? That's the depth that when you look at like Alabama and Ohio State, like their third string players are going to the NFL, right? Like that's, that you need that depth. And when you start to have that depth at quarterback, at running back, at receiver, now you're starting to build, that's what you're starting to build a, a, a team. And now you, you can be confident in that next person. You talked about Cepho Lufau's toughness. Yeah. And your mentality as a football player, 
on the field, that had to be a match made in heaven, right? Just oh, me and Suffer, yeah, yeah. We 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 uh, the thing about it is, you didn't have to worry about anything because uh, Suffer and I were gonna handle everything on the offensive side when it came to discipline people, when it came to setting setting that tone. Uh, setting that fire, you know, and that was the great thing about it is you have great leaders on the offensive side and great leaders on the defensive side, right? And then the thing is, Coach Lovett was a great leader for them, right? And and, and for us, you know, you had uh, Coach Cheverini and Brian Lindgren, right? There's two two of them together. And so it was more like, uh, like it was just one of those special things where, hey, it, hey man, you couldn't touch it, you know? Yeah. Brian Lindgren's still doing his thing. He, up he's Oregon doing State. as he yeah. is. You know, it's great to see that. It's what's what's great about it is seeing the the growth from Coach Lindgren, like from us. And Coach Coach Lindgren has been one of those mink kind of guys that doesn't really say too much. You know, you know he's kind of quiet, but he's very smart. And I think that with us, you know, he was trying to learn certain things too, trying to piece things together. But now you see him at Oregon State, and you see him trusting himself see him doing what he what he wants and what he believes in and getting the type of kids there like he's doing great you know i'm proud and happy that coach linger is doing his stuff it's 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 great great to see only christian mccaffrey had more yards than you from scrimmage oh, in the christian, pac-12 man. in 2016 that's not that's not, <laughs> not bad, bad. Company, it is a bad company yeah yeah christian has you know he, he's done, he did his thing he should have won the heisman and uh yeah, I mean, you know, but like I said, if it wasn't for those offensive linemen, if it wasn't for Cepho, if it wasn't for Coach Coach Mack, you know, believing in me and giving me opportunities and stuff, um, and it wasn't for myself believing in myself, I mean, man, every year, this is the thing about the, the college and NFL, you recruit to replace, right? So every time you recruit, you're recruiting that kid that you think is better than the person playing in that spot, right? And so the thing is, Every year you gotta prove yourself. Well, that keeps you on your toes. When you're too comfortable, you're never gonna, never gonna to, to complete the goal that you want or the, ta- the task in hand because you're comfortable being where you're at. But when something's in your way to light your fire, that's gonna be like, you know what, let me do this extra workout. Or like why, you know he's not, or the person's not putting in that extra work and doing that extra lift and doing that extra stretching, that's the stuff that separates you, you know, it's the consistency part of that. And I think that, you know, Coach Mack did a great job of bringing people in to compete. And I did a great job of saying, you're not better than me, right? Um, from the start, you know, my, my roommate at the time, was Michael Atkins, right? Great talent. And honestly, you know, if it wasn't for Mike being, you know, having the injuries he had, you know, there's no telling what Mike would have done. He was one of those specimens that was big and fast, right? But for me, it was like, you got to outbeat me every day. And the thing is, can you do that? You know what I mean? Like, every day when I'm hurting, when I'm sore, when I'm good, you'll never know, right? Like, you'll think that, I, like, you'll be like, yo, what's wrong with this kid? Because, like, does he ever get tired? Does he ever get hurt? Does he ever... Yeah, and in the back of my head, I'm like, dang, man, I'm hurting. But I would never show that because for me, it was like, like when Coach Mack brings somebody in, it's like, okay, you think that this kid's better than me, right? Like, but he's going to have to prove the whole camp that he can do, do better than me, not just one day, right? Not just because he's faster than me or because he's bigger. Like, can he sustain the same mentality, the same mindset every single day, every single day in, in practice? in the film room and I think that like 
that's kind of what, what, what set me apart from a lot of people. Do you ever go back and watch The Rise? Oh, you know what's funny is I, I did and I sent it to, to uh, Cheeto probably like probably uh, last year. It's great. One like John truly. Snelson is the oh he's, he's the man. Treasure he's the CU. man. Yeah. And and, and uh, they should be glad and grateful to have him back. You know because he left. You know came back and uh, he just did a thirty for thirty and he's like okay I miss my alma mater no, for sure right yeah and for him to do that and like I don't know if it won how many awards it, it should have won some awards it won right? some Emmys okay it yeah. should have yeah. like that man did a great job that whole Jamie all them in in that that whole 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 time they did a great job of getting all that that access and um, it's a great feeling to go back and watch that you 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 forget certain things and as we get older it's like. That's the stuff you look back at and you're proud of and you show your kids because that's the things that you want them to, to be able to experience. But also you want them to go through their own hard times and come out on the other side because that's where you're going to see growth. And you were a second team all Pac-12 selection as a senior in 2017. You ended up playing 51 games at Colorado. <laughs> you show up on campus, you can't bend your knee. Yeah. You end up playing 51 games. I know, right? What's your favorite memory from your time at CU? My favorite memory, there's so many memories, man. And I can't, like, you gotta be uh, specific because I've made so many memories off the field that changed my life forever. I've made so many friendships off the field that will be with me forever. And then there were so many things on the field that, that happened that's like, I mean, the best memory all like would be just like being able to do this with my best friends, Cheeto, Ted, just to be able to see all them. And we took our butt whoopings and we didn't run, right? We didn't transfer out. We didn't leave and cower down. We got older and we started whooping butt, right? We started, we used that as fuel and like just see that and just, just to see how they're doing as men now. It's like, that's the reason why they're doing is doing well in life because we ain't run from from stuff, right? We ran, we, we we stayed stuck together, and you know, and we seen it all through with each other, with Coach Mack, you know, and you know, for Coach, I, you know, it sucks that he didn't, he wasn't able to, to to catch fire after that, and I think it's because we took four years to build what we did, you know, and I think that we needed more depth, and that that's very important, even for Coach Prime is like your your second and third string players your young kids like one they gotta buy in and two like those kids are the ones you're gonna have to rely on the most you know like everybody and it's easy in the nfl i always say like look it ain't about your starters because guy week seven all of them is hurt it's about those second and third string players is there a drop off right and that was i think that was the issue with us is this the depth man like you go to Alabama, Ohio State right now, the drop-off isn't, isn't that bad. You know, for us, uh, from the, you know, before 2016, the drop-off, we were young, right? You had these, the, the, you know, these players that were doing their stuff, and then you had us young kids that were going through some growth, growth issues and stuff. Like, you can't expect a whole group of freshmen to get together and just dominate seniors. Like, it's, that's not how it works. So, um, for us, it was just being able to see that, man, and see, see the growth. I think it hurt, too, the fact that Mike McIntyre was at the forefront of the satellite camps before yeah. that became a really big deal. Yeah. And he found a lot of guys. He had such a yeah. long-standing relationship with uh-huh. Chido, Chido Bayou. No, Uji, for sure. He, he built some relationships. Yeah, he had some options late in the process. But 
Mike McIntyre and his staff would go up and down California and find these hidden gems. And yeah. then at some point when he was at Colorado, it became the, the mega camp era to where now everybody's doing See, it. See, that's that's you know? where I, like, even for, like, so for me, when I was getting recruited, right, it was more of coaches came down, they watched you play, they talked to you, right? And then as I kind of, like, left and it was, like, my brother's era and stuff, it was like you had to go to a camp to get offered. Right, it was like nobody came down and watched your game and t- met your family and just like really seen the type of person you are. They're looking at a film, right? Nowadays, there it seems like they just watch a film. Oh, the kid's six five, two eighty. Uh, he's he's beating up on some two A kids. Let's let's give him an offer instead of going in and doing your homework and going to see his family life. Cause that stuff will tell you a lot, right? Like that that will tell you a lot about somebody, Coach Mack. That he he had ties with Cheeto and he knew them well, right? He knew about their family. He knew about their, you know, how they they ran, you know, ticked. So it made it easier in the transition when he got to college to be more of a father figure to all of us and all of them because he knew us on a different scale than just as a kid that can play good football or is, is a specimen. I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Any yeah. any good Darian Hagen stories? Ha, <laughs> Coach Hagen, he. You know, I want to give a shout-out to Coach Hagen because it wasn't until he got to being a running back coach. And I'm not dogging Coach Clayton Adams. And actually, Coach Adams and I are really good friends. Coach Adams is a great offensive line coach. And, you know, we, we actually worked together with the Colts. He's, he was the tight ends coach uh, with the Colts. And great, great dude. And I think making that move with Coach Adams, like the mindset of Coach Adams, going back to offensive line, line he helped, helped us so much. And having Coach Hagen as our running back coach, who kind of knew more about the running back thing, you know, that, that's my dude to the end, you know, like that's my second father. And Coach Hagen, like, he just let me do my thing, man. He, he you know, I wasn't tight with Coach. I didn't feel like, you know, I, you know, just this, this, like, something's over my head. I felt like I could just play ball, and he never judged me. And, and I just felt like we got to a, a, a point where, like, he knew what I would see, and I, and I knew what he wanted. And it was just like a great, to this day, me and Coach coach talk all the time. And uh, my bad. Um, and like uh, just to have him as my running back coach for those two years and have the success I had and him be able to be part of that, it was a special thing. And Coach always, Coach Hagen, funny, funny dude, and always kept a smile on our faces and made it not so serious all the time, you know. And I think something like that is just like it's hard to do, you know, especially in this game today. Everything is just so structured and all of this that when Coach Hagen got with us, it just made us feel a lot looser. And I think we just played better. Now, everybody that covered you at CU knew how special of a talent you were. Yeah. But when you showed up to Pro Timing Day and put that 40 together, was it a 4.38? Yeah, I think it was a 4.38, 4.39, something like that. I, I'll be honest, I didn't know you had that speed in you. Yeah, man, you got to think, man. When you go back, right? Like, I came into the league, or came into college, and I was hurt, right? You guys didn't get to see, I was always fast, but I'm coming off a knee, right, that didn't get, like, worked on right and everything. It took a while. It it took more than a year for myself to feel good, right? It wasn't until Cheeto decided to steal my brace that I felt comfortable without a knee brace, right? So, um... And then, at those two years, you got to think, I took a lot of carries, right? I was getting banged up, like, literally. They, like, what people don't know is, after the games, I was getting stitched up after every game, right? 
like with my back, my arms. I had, I probably, I probably had three or four different, different areas where I would have to get stitched up after every game. So I was taking the, like 30 carries one game, 20 carries this game. Then with the Arizona game, Arizona, Arizona, I took 42 carries, right? And then turned back around and took 30. Like you can't, you tell me a person that does that and then going be running fast after a while, you know? You like so when I got done playing. And I went down to coach Lauren Landau, who's the man, right? I got to get healthy, and I got to really work on my, myself, work on my game, and I just really hauled in and stayed focused on what I wanted. I knew I could run a 4-3. I was fast. I, I was always fast, and Cheeto and them always thought they, like, they was the only fast. I was like, no, that's not it. Like, like, but them pushing me, have, like I was always fast as them, right? And so... We always had bets. She always thought he was faster than me. I was like, you're not going to run a faster time than me. Now, in the combine, I probably would have run, it would have probably been maybe a little higher. I don't know. To be honest with you, I probably would have still ran a 4-3. That's just because of the type of person I am. And I remember talking to Coach Landau. Landau was like, look, I think we could get you to a 4-4, right? A 4-4. And in my head, I'm like, I'm running a 4-3. Like, my mindset is not going to let me run nothing less than a 4-3, right? I just, like, I wanted it that bad. And so when that happened... I wasn't surprised because I knew that was just who I am. Like everybody always put put a st- like stigma on me as like, oh, just a tough runner. It's like no, it's easy to, to to do something when your holes are this big, right? You just run through something, make some moves. But when you gotta break tackles, when you gotta do it, and I'm not discrediting my offensive line or anything like that, but it's like like it's hard to just showcase speed when it ain't when the holes just ain't always there, right? So when I finally got to see that. You know, it, it took me to a different level, and like people got to see, uh, like I'm not just a tough runner. Like I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm an explosive player. You know, and and it's hard. Like, I mean, well, I was top ten both years in rushing. You know what I mean? In the power five, and I'm five eight, 182 pounds at that time. I think I weighed in at 184 at the combine or the uh, pro day. Like, and the thing was, is I wanted to show people that yo, you don't have to be six foot 215 and run crazy times to be a good player like if you're tough and you and you work on your craft and you really want it you're gonna be all right you know what i mean you don't need to go and do some cheat stuff and, and put you know the growth hormones and the steroids all this stuff that these kids are doing you know nowadays like it was just pure just hard work man just hard work and determination and mentality you want to get into having some youth camps yeah and you're such a great person for those kids to hear from because uh-huh. you weren't drafted and you had to deal yeah. with that disappointment. And instead of letting it discourage you, you for go sure. out and, like I said earlier in the podcast, become the first undrafted guy to go 1,000 yards for your sure. first two years in the league. Uh, what are your plans with camps trying to go going forward? Yeah, uh, so for me, it's just mainly just trying to, to expand the camps and make it really competitive for high school kids and youth kids and get everybody out there playing ball and, and hopefully, um, you know, get, get a chance to get looked at and get a chance to get coached by some really good coaches, get to see some NFL players and talk with them. Um, you know, my goal is by next year to set up something to, to, to get camps really, like, like get some camps really going so that um, you can re- we can really see the talent in, in, in Colorado all over, not just in Denver area, or Boulder, like all over, because like these these kids are all over. They just need to be seen, you know. They need to be heard, 
and you need to get out there to, to sometimes you got you got to know people to be able to get heard so this for for these kids it's a way it's an outlet for them to to, to get on a better stage how do you look back at your time with the Denver Broncos yeah. now that you're a little bit removed from it? Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing is, is, right, watching that draft was probably the worst worst feeling I ever experienced in my life. Um, just seeing a bunch of people that you know you're better than get picked, and you're sitting here not getting a call, and when you do get a call in the fifth round, they're talking about, hey, this is so-and-so. We're thinking about picking you up as a free agent. Like, dang, man, we still got two, three rounds. You know, it was just like one of those films. Like, I was like, I'm never like, I'm not gonna forget this. Like, I feel like for me, it's like, and I would ask my dad, I'm like, Dad, every time, right, I step into a room, right, even in Colorado, I'm, I'm dead last on the depth chart. I'm always having to like prove some stuff. I'm always having like I could do something, and then they'll still say some some bull stuff about it. So it's like, why? Like, all I do is, is sit here and I produce and I do my part and I and I stay in a straight line and, I, and yet I still sit here and I, I have to deal with some stuff that I don't have to, right? And it, it was like, to me, it was like, you know what? I'm tired of I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm taking this into my own hands, period. Like, if I'm gonna lose, like, if I'm not gonna make play in the NFL, I'm gonna give everything I got, all right? And you're just gonna have to say that I'm not better than that person. But I tell you, I'll be damned if if until this day, right? And you know, this for me, like being with the Colts in Miami, Denver, and nobody has beat me out, just outright beat me out from the great, great running backs like Jonathan Taylor to all that. Ain't none of them have just head to head with no political stuff have beat me out, right? Even when Melvin decided, you know, they decided to that partner up, partner, partner me up with Melvin. Like none of them have ever beat me out. And I've always been one, like, if you are gonna, if you beat me out, I'm going to say, hey, man, he beat me out. But I can truly sit here today, to this day, if, there isn't, if there's not political stuff being played, none of, those, none of those running backs have beat me out yet. And that's just a mentality, though. That said, how difficult is it dealing with the business side of the NFL and yeah. um, not knowing what that next opportunity might yeah, be? it's very difficult. Um, because when you first get there, right, you have to understand, like, on a business thing, when they're thinking about it, it's like you're cheap, right? They didn't know what I could do. You know, I came on that scale at Denver, and, and I just took it, and I ran with it. You know, they got, in, in their head, they got a gym, and they got lucky because for them, like, they, they didn't, like, they had all the options, opportunities to draft me. They could even draft me in the seventh round and decide to draft someone else, right? And then they got me. They got lucky and decided that my mom was, my mom and my agent decided that this was the best fit for me to stay in Denver. So I did that, you know, and it was the greatest, the greatest choice I ever chose because I met some great teammates. The fan base was great to me, and they still are to this day. One of the best fan bases there is in, in a professional level, any professional level. And every time I look, you know, I was like, you know, I would love to come back and play for them because there's so much here, you know, there's so much history here for me and it just made sense and it was a you can't write a storybook better than my whole high school college and professional career with with Denver you're gonna have folks picketing outside Dove Valley to get to get you back in there <laughs> I, I, I need them to man because I think that that helps to understand how you know special and how you know what I've done was 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 big because a lot of times they because you're undrafted they want to sweep it under the rug Right to them, sometimes they can look at it as a slap in the face. 
we drafted these people and you you beat them out. You're doing all this. We don't want that. We want the people because it's an ego thing. We want the people that we drafted because that's our guys, right? We'll go to bat for them any day. You're not supposed to do that. So I feel like sometimes I might have stepped on people's toes that I don't even know because of what I did and how it went and the fan base around me and being from here, the love and the support, you know. Uh, I think the biggest turn was when they just – and me and Melvin are, are good, right? We're, 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 we don't have no bad blood. We're, we're cool. But the biggest turn point, I think, is when Elway decided to, to bring Melvin on when it was time for me to get paid at that time. Yeah. So, like, that kind of – that was when things kind of hit the fan. What does your day-to-day look like now? Yeah, day-to-day now is – uh, like I said, I um, I I still want to try to get a couple years left in the NFL. I got I got some some, some explosive left left in the tank, and if I do get that opportunity, um, I'm gonna be excited and I'm gonna take it and run with it. Um, and but other than that, taking care of my son, I got a beautiful baby boy who who just turned three not too long ago. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife, and um, just just doing you know hanging out with them and trying to find other ways to do things other than just football, right? Try to get, like, what's going to happen, you know, life after football because no matter if I play two years or five years, there's life after football, right? And so it's trying to, to, to expand myself and, and see what I really want to do after this. When you go up to Boulder nowadays, yeah. what, what do you like to do up there? You know, it's funny because that's where I met my wife. My wife played soccer at the University of Colorado. Actually, it was very good. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I have great stories just with her and how we met and like, we were just really good friends and it turned into something more that I'm very grateful for. But when we go up there, we just reminisce about the good times, you know, like things that you just don't get back anymore. Like you know how it is when you come a, a parent and, and having to do real life stuff, it ain't just, it, you know, it never did college, you know? So when we get a chance to reminisce and, and, and have fun, we, do, we definitely go back and, and talk about the good times. We talked about the excitement with Coach Prime being yeah. up there in Boulder. Uh, what do you think – how long do you think it's going to take for him? He pretty much brought in an entire new Yeah, roster. I know. He did. He, 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 he cleaned slate on it, and, you know, that's great, you know. But there's a lot to that. You know, you got a lot of talent. But now it's about putting it all together, right? It's about everybody being on the same page. You got all these kids coming from all you know, different parts that are older already, right? And some may not want to be able, may not be, be willing to change the way they think, the way they decide to go through something. But everybody got to be on the same page, right? And they got to be able to hold each other accountable. And the thing is, it can't always be that Hollywood uh, lifestyle of just like all flashing lights. It's about getting down and dirty. It's about grinding with each other when nobody's looking, when 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 nothing's on you, right? And if they can do that, they're gonna have some great time. Now, you know, I don't know this year. I, I, I you know, if they, to me, if 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 Colorado wins six games, that's a success because it's like you coming from losing all your games pretty much. What winning one last year? To come in here, being a brand new coach, having to, to, to bring a brand, all these kids together, right? And if you can go to a bowl game, right, that's that, that's only going to to catapult you 
to another level to help you out, right? Of course, we all want 10 games and all that, but like, how realistic is that when, when you're going against teams that are, are have been built for the USC's and the, and the Alabama's and the Ohio States all the time? You know what I mean? Like, and you're in this new, you know, you're new trying to get everything pieced together. Now, if he does that. Now that you you know he wins ten games, they better get the checkbook go out because it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to keep it here, you know. But if he wins six games, I mean that's a success. And people aren't gonna be mad or not gonna want to hear that because of the hype, right? But the thing is, you gotta you, you know as a as a football player, as a coach, you gotta go back and you really gotta you know you gotta if you see what they're seeing, it's like okay, do we have everything we need to be a national championship team? And it takes time, right? It takes time. And it's like Nick Saban didn't do it in one year. He built that over years, right? And everybody bought in. You know, I've had many teammates from Alabama that I always like to pick and ask, you know, like, because if you ever notice, there's not too much that gets out about Alabama. Coach, Coach Saban keeps everything in-house, right? So the only thing you can get is when you talk to, a, you know, one of your teammates in the NFL or whatever about Alabama and what they're doing because a lot of that doesn't get out, right? But it's just about building that, and like to, to a lot of them, like they, they, there's a there's a standard, and if Coach Prime can build that standard, and the standard needs to be the standard all the time with his coaching staff, with with his with with the staff in general, with the recruiting staff, with everything, then he's gonna build very, something special, and he, he's gonna be loved uh, in Boulder for for many years. Great stuff, Philip. You were part of the group that moved into the Champion Center. Yeah. And uh, I hope that your 2016 group is going to be around I for the so next too. 20, 30 years. I hope uh, so too, man. Because you guys should take a lot of pride in what you accomplished. I, you know, it's one of those things where, where like, you know, we look back at You're going to always look back and be like, dang, we did that. You know, I wish we would have won. And, you know, and, you know, it didn't happen how we wanted it to. Um, but it was a great, it was a great story, you know. And I wish we would have won our bowl game, man. We got, we got beat up in the bowl game, but yeah. there's a lot of like little parts that happened in that, yeah, yeah. that situation. So, but it was fun taking yeah, a, was fun. a trip down memory lane with you, Philip. And uh, I know you got so many fans out there, so yeah. I appreciate you for taking some time out. Now we got to dive into some oh, GQ for sure. barbecue. We got to get some barbecue. So thank you for having me on here, and go Bucks. We're all rooting for you, Philip. And thanks to everybody out there for tuning in.